welcome to Life Pairings, where two Canadian alcohol connoisseurs mix life events and libation. Hello, I'm Carla Richards. And I'm Brittany Lysing. And, and this, this is, is Life Pairings. <laughs> Because life is hard. Compare it with alcohol. It's like you're flying. The wind against your cheeks, the rumbling hill bouncing beneath you, and a sketchy piece of plastic, the only savior between you and the rocks. As today's life pairing is tobogganing with hot toddies. We're discussing tobogganing ghosts, 5G, and Grindenwald. Ooh. Ooh, spooky. <laughs> your ooh made sense this time because it was like a spooky ooh. <laughs> yes. Uh, what does tobogganing mean to you, Brittany? Well, we used to go a ton when we were kids. It's like, I think it's like a Canadian winter staple. It's something that mm-hmm. you do, you know, is insanely dangerous. It's <laughs> not as supervised as it should be. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's still the same. Like, you know, there's so much more safety involved in everything. But when we <laughs> when we were kids, man, we would just rip down that hill on whatever would slide us the fastest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I, we should point out that for this episode, we made the adult decision to not try out tobogganing. Yeah. We were like, ourselves. do we that really need to go back and relive this? <laughs> You know what? I say when we're back into the real world and we can like start doing the events uh, a little bit more, um, then we'll go and do them. But yeah. <laughs> sometimes yeah. I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> we're not supposed to be at the hospital right now taking away from people who have COVID. So there's like no yeah. need for me as a fat 35 year old to like walk in with a broken arm. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah, and we didn't want to have to record in the hospital with both of us in the hospital. There was just a lot of... Can you imagine? We're just like, actually, we just have to record a podcast here in this isolation ward. They're like, oh yeah. my God, you girls. So irresponsible. Can you plug this in for us? <laughs> yeah, but no, like, honestly, like, I think to bargaining, or I certainly did, think it was so mm. fun. It, oh, yeah. It was like something me and my brother did a lot, like... We, there was a big hill next to our house, which was kind of like one of those, like, if you live in the district, you can go to the park. It was called Park 96. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like, it's just like, it's like kind of like if there's a lake in your community and you have to like belong to the lake association to get in there. Right. It was, that's what it is. It's Park 96. It's basically like a big, like, it's just for the community. It has like, you know, skating rinks, a, a huge tobogganing hill. Right. So what me and my brother would do is actually they had like skating paths in the winter that would skate. You could skate through the forest and oh. uh, we would skate through the forest on our freshly sharpened hockey skates. And yeah. then we would skate down the tobogganing hill if it was icy oh. enough. <laughs> <laughs> like just. And you know what? My dad, the only thing that he would get mad at was he'd be like, I just sharpened those skates. You guys have hockey tomorrow. <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got to say it's something that I look back upon very fondly and also knowing that I'll never I'll never experience it the same way I did as when I was a kid. Exactly. Yeah. That's another reason maybe not to do it as an adult. Yeah. What does it mean to you? 
Um, I actually kind of similar. Um, we had a park that was by us that was uh, like a lake that if you lived in the neighborhood, you had access to Lake Monta Vista. And in my head, this this thing is like a mountain. Uh, I'm sure it's a small hill. I haven't seen it in like 20 years, so I can't remember. But I remember like, you know, hauling it up. We had this, we had a GT racer and then we had like a really shitty like 1970s plastic red sled. Oh, yeah. uh, That you could, I think you could like, there would probably be like me and my brother and my dad could fit in. And I mean, half the thing too is you have to haul that thing up the hill. I mean, when you're little, your parents do it for you. But, you know, it's probably pretty good exercise. Oh, it was great exercise. It. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. Like, you want to get header off the front of your oh my God. toboggan. I had the GT Snow Racer, too. I asked yeah. for it for Christmas one year, so I got um, the GT Snow Racer, and in it came a huge poster of the hockey player Brett Hall when he played for the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. So I had, like, no affiliation with Brett Hall or the Blues, but for some reason I just fell in love with that poster, and it hung above yeah. my bed for, like, a long time. Like I, And I recently, when the Blues made it to the Stanley Cup, like, found that poster on the internet. Like, I was like, I knew I had a Brett Hall <laughs> poster <laughs> over my bed. Uh, um, but those great. things were, like, they're sold like it has you can steer it like there's a little steering wheel with a little like ski on the front of it and then there's brakes however if you're bombing down a hill at like 70 kilometers an hour like the brakes don't really cut it no and i think too like you don't you know like all you have to do and i think they were pretty clear like most of the the more manicured runs or whatever but like all you have to do is like hit a rock on the wrong way with your brake or with your tiny ski (laughs) steering wheel and you were i mean when you're like five it's not so far to fall at that point (laughs) and you're kind of rubber anyways but like you know but it's a little older so that's i remember hitting some jumps that were just like people would build little jumps into there and then of course i went with my older brother so he would hit the jump and like have some amazing landing and then like tuck and roll and like give the thumbs up and i would fall and like i swear to god i would like i think i suffered 14 undiagnosed concussions for tobacco (laughs) also fun fact my mother as a child broke her back tobogganing oh my god yep she was tobogganing with her cousins and her aunt and she was going down a hill and i i haven't asked her about it in a long time i was actually gonna call her beforehand but i forgot and she (laughs) she but she was tobogganing down a hill with her cousins and they hit something and the cousin landed on her i think oh oh, ouch and it's kind of like when you go down a water slide and somebody like you go down together and somebody like lands on you and knees you in the head and pulls you under the water. You know, it's right. like not really a safe activity to do like doubled up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she broke her back and she was like in, she was in the hospital for a long time after that. She talks about oh. it all the time and I can't imagine the, the PTSD, like letting us go to Bogning. Yeah, no kidding. After that, she was probably like, oh my God, just don't die. Thanks. Have a great time. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just stay at home because I can't watch this mess. <laughs> That's how I would deal with that. Yeah. So it's it's actually, uh, it's it's a pretty kind of dangerous uh, sport. Yeah. I, uh, Very risk 
risk takey? Is that it is risk takey? I looked into the um, psychology of it. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is with anything that's like kind of a tradition, it has all that sort of psychology built into it. Like you like it because everybody did it. You think fondly upon it. It's like a memory that you all had together so that's really good for you like to go Uh out and be with friends and family outside that's super good for you there's um there's a lot of articles right now that are like what people are doing in times of covid is really Mm -hmm. interested or interesting and different than it normally is like in past years like i mean toboggan hills are sort of busy but not like if there's like a fresh snow you get all the kids going out but right Literally around my house right now, anything that you can slide down <laughs> is packed with children. Right. If you can, like, yeah. the skating rinks are packed. The uh, hills are packed. Like, there's even just this little hill that I bet you, once you get on the slide, it lasts three seconds. <laughs> and it's, like, lined up. Like, parents are, like, lined up with their kids. And it's yeah. just, like, it's sort of this activity right now where... Um, it is actually really good for you to go and do because it burns energy. You're outside and it's a, it's different than inside right now. Right. And I guess you can kind of do it socially distanced as long as everyone's kind of standing. Yeah. Apart. Like you're kind of doing it still on your own. So. so you can kind of like, you could probably meet up with other families and go tobogganing, you know, as long as the kids have kind of stayed apart and stuff. But it is mm-hmm. actually an activity where you are, uh, you're not with really anyone, you know, the parents stand yeah. separate and watch. So it's kind of like a COVID safe activity to do right now. And it right. burns so much energy. Right. Because <laughs> it's not just like, it's not just like the phys- the physicality to it. It's like the thrill of it is like, you're so up for so long that it's so much excitement. And then you have to walk back up the hill again. With- <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess you have your rush of adrenaline. And then before you can really crash from that, you have to also then hike up a hill. Yeah. And then you do it again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually, it's actually, honestly, it's really good for you. The only problem is, is it's so dangerous. Right. So I was looking into, um, just, just even like the, like there's a doctor who talked about, he, he like does, he gives seminars on safe tobogganing Oh. because he saw so many people coming to the hospital. Right. from hurting themselves so he gives a few little like uh, tips and tricks uh for everybody and this isn't just kids he's like adults are the ones who are going in and hurting themselves more often than not because kids yeah. like will break an arm and it's fine but like adults are like mm-hmm. really hurting themselves uh mm-hmm. so just a few of his little tips and tricks uh this is a, just an article in the globe and mail dr charles taylor um uh, he was a brain surgeon so he had uh, he okay. tobogganing had such an impact on his field as a brain surgeon that he was like i'm gonna give a few <laughs> talks about, oh my goodness like is the, he does he call it sledhead i came across that in um skeleton and bobsledding no stuff. i oh, like yeah. that I sledhead. i know it sounds much cuter than it probably is well it's such a um it is so fun. Like it's it's such a fun thing to do. Like if you don't fall, mm-hmm. like de- <laughs> defying gravity and like like sliding is really fun. Yeah. Like yeah. even this is really dumb, but when I used to build escalators, like there'd be cardboard and a bunch of like foam packing on the steps when the thing would come in, like the escalator mm-hmm. would come in and we'd set it all up and it would all be like packed with cardboard. 
and 50 year old grown men would slide down them <laughs> like it's fun yeah. to slide it doesn't matter yeah. how old you are uh so uh dr charles uh taylor or sorry tater <laughs> he's a potato <laughs> uh, old tater tot says wear a helmet number one all toboggans right. should wear a helmet to reduce the risk of Which brain is definitely injury. not something that any of us ever did no certainly not as kids oh my god they were yeah. just like hey be back by dark and don't bother us when you get back either <laughs> uh so dr tater says wear a helmet uh but remember that all helmets are not created equal so make sure you are wearing the right helmet like you know like he's like go don't wear a bike helmet right i guess you kind of want like a ski or snowboarding helmet yeah or even a, he says a hockey helmet is like better than a bike helmet so just like oh. Um, you know, a select a safe tobogganing hill. <laughs> like, don't Not just like the random thing that you find out at behind the oh behind my... your house that was out in the middle of the highway. Yeah, like don't select a hill that goes onto a road, <laughs> which I actually have been seeing in so many videos. I'm like, oh my god, what if you can't stop? Um, uh, yeah. So a lot of there's a lot of like tobogganing specific hills that the city sort of watches out for. Mm-hmm. And uh, th- those are the ones you want to go to. Don't just find a hill that has a concrete wall at the end of it and fire down it at a <laughs> thousand kilometers an hour. Yeah. Uh, he also says, uh, find a safe toboggan. Uh, don't just pick anything. Like back in the day, we used to like have the crazy carpets. I think those are banned. Yeah. Oh, I forgot all about those. Like, I don't think they're you're even allowed anymore. And we used to wax them. <laughs> Like <laughs> to go faster, like it was kind of insane. It's just a, a flexible piece of plastic, like really flexible, because you can kind of almost roll them up. So really, there's nothing there. No, if you like are going over like a, a rocky area or something, like that could easily cut through that thing and oh yeah, do some damage. It's truly like it's just a thin. That's all it is. It's a thin piece of malleable plastic. To just eliminate the friction between your snow pants and the <laughs> and the snow, like it, yeah. we used to do it all the time, and it almost reminds me of that scene from Christmas Vacation where he like yes. when he puts the cooking spray on the back of the steel disc, yeah, and fires down. Like honestly, like that was a funny scene, and it was obviously just like slapstick humor. But the truth yeah. is, is like that's what we were doing. So yeah, the do- old Doctor Tater says, "Don't do that." <laughs> He says, p- p- uh, position the toboggan properly. The sitting uh, position face forward is the only safe position on a toboggan. Never go down the hill f- uh, head first, face down on your stomach with your head forward is the most dangerous position. Right. Which, you know, it's now. you'd think as like a species, we wouldn't want to go head first into anything, but you'd be surprised. Yeah. I know that's, but that's now skeleton, which is an Olympics work, <laughs> which is no. just so like it, not. It's so against yeah. like intuition. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And then uh, for kids, he says one of the most important things is adult su- supervisions for kids ab- under ten is essential. Yeah. Um, again, and the- also like. When you're 13, that's when you start to do a lot of stupid shit, too. So I would maybe say, like, yeah. you bring that up a little bit. You should almost, like, the funny thing is, yeah, from, like, honestly, I feel like 13 to, like, 20, your brain is just on, like, oh, man, nobody's watching me now mode. Like, yeah. 
I can go off the roof of the house. No, don't do that. That's not. I'm going to do all <laughs> the worst things possible. Um, yeah. And then there's just uh yeah so that those are those are some safe some safe uh, uh, practices well tobogganing I was gonna get into uh, a little bit of the thrill seeking but um, mm-hmm. the truth is it's just like we all we all sort of crave a little bit of that thrill a little bit of danger yeah. and it's almost it's just a, a a small dose of something that's you know when it when you match it up against other stuff it's like not it's not skydiving you know right. It's right. like the same reason we go on a roller coaster. We're strapped in. We know it's not really that dangerous, but it feels dangerous. So yeah, yeah. That's my psychology for uh, for tobogganing. Well, that's cool. All right. Um, I'm gonna talk about tobogganing ghosts. Fuck yeah. <laughs> kind of. Sort of. Um, I found this from listen with the lights on which is a podcast uh, and they call it the tobogganing ghost of montreal because i was having a really hard time trying to find a history a good history story of tobogganing um so this is kind of about a couple of different things but simon mctavish is who is at the center of this story of this ghost story which is not really a ghost story but okay uh in 1751 simon mctavish was born in stratherick which is south of Inverness in Scotland. My husband gave me uh, pronunciation tips, which he was basically like, just say it like it's written. And I'm like, no, I don't. You're like, like, sometimes H's and G's and M's shouldn't go together. (laughs) Yeah. Like, there's a lot of R's in this. Should I roll them? He's like, no, what are you talking about? (laughs) Anyways, uh, so this is actually quite, like he was born quite close to where my family-in-law lives now. So that's nice. Ooh. Um, but he moved to New York with his sister at the age of 13. And he found success as a merchant in the first the fur trade. Uh, though he was doing, because he was in the States, it was a bit more of the cheaper furs. So things like deer and muskrat. And not beavers, which we talked about in the holiday shopping episode. Episode number 30. <laughs> Ooh, if you'd like to check that out. Go back, take a listen. <laughs> um, because the Hudson Bay Company basically had a monopoly over the Northwest areas for trapping. So especially for really expensive furs, such as beavers. Uh, but Simon found, or McTab, Simon, I don't know. I don't want to call him his first name. Sorry. We're not on a... <laughs> you're not on a... <laughs> you're like S-Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so S Dog, uh, <laughs> Simon McTavish, he figured out there's a there were routes from Montreal that were still open because Montreal had been occupied by France for so long. Uh, the British had really only taken the city from the French in sixteen or sorry seventeen sixty. So there was a lot of uh, opportunity now. And when the Americans occupied Montreal, which I didn't know how that happened, but I guess that was during the Revolutionary War. That was in uh, 1775 to 76. They were preventing traders from being able to get their goods. So, you know, if you normally go to, I don't know, Lake Montreal. Lake in Lake Montreal. (laughs) Lake. To go pick up your. If you're normally sailing down the shores of Lake Croissant. (laughs) Um, To go pick up you know, to trade in furs and stuff when the Americans are um, occupying it, that's not happening. So he took advantage of this, getting the furs and selling them to England at a, you know, higher rate too. And so he started the Northwest Company, 
and he became the richest man in Montreal. Really? Yeah. It, uh, he was. Oh, sorry. Oh no! When he moved to New York, or when he moved, was yeah. you said he was thirteen? Did he move by himself, or did he like moved with his family? Oh, well, he moved with his sister. So I think what happened is his dad was quite sick, and so the family kind of all spread out, and so his sister was moving with her husband to oh. New York. So he came along with her. I was yeah. like, this guy's a real go-getter. We can't I mean, it's not a now. This kid was setting up fur enterprises. <laughs> I mean, this was a little bit later. So he would have been, he was born in 51. This was like 1775. So like he'd be 25. But he's still pretty young, right? Yeah. Um, He was known as the old lion of Montreal or the Marquis uh, because he had a grand style of living. So this is, I mean, this is kind of perfect to explain new money in canada i guess because he's still like a tradesman like he's not he's a merchant he's nothing of political or right or royal but he, you know he had nice clothes he had a nice house and he bought some land that went from where currently the montreal cemetery is to gare central cn station this was also the next to where james mcgill Ooh in mcgill university yeah uh also had land so he uh he bought this huge basically what would have been a country estate but i think like is right now in the area known as the golden square mile so i think it's again it's right next to mcgill university so i think it's probably not country-esque at the moment yeah <laughs> it's been somewhat populated yeah yeah since he was there <laughs> um and so he he did this lavish mansion that he was building. And by 1804, uh, it was almost completed. This is He called it McTavish Castle. <laughs> and he designed it for his wife. So maybe, you know, that's nice. That is nice. Uh, <laughs> I wish somebody would design me a mansion. Yeah, me too. Um, and, and theoretically, he was one of those people that would supervise the work and like hit people with his cane if they weren't working fast enough. Um, <laughs> and he got caught in a rainstorm one day and he got a cold and then he got pneumonia and then he died and he died just before the castle was completed. So they'd actually laid the roof and the interior was finished and he died. So we didn't get to see his castle finished. Oh. And so this was in 1804, and his estate was worth 125,000 pounds, so British pounds, which is the equivalent to 12.5 million pounds now, or about 17 million U.S. dollars. Wow. Today's money. Yeah, which is so. oh, which I don't know if you guys know about Canadian currency, but that's uh, 33 <laughs> bazillion dollars in Canada. <laughs> yes. Um, and so because there, he had heirs, um, but they already had an estate at Chateau Saint Antoine, so I guess he was like, eh, I don't need this guy's mansion. And I guess maybe there was a little bit of problems with the will or something to do. But anyways, basically they stopped all work as soon as he died, and it sat empty for sixty years. Six zero? Yeah. Holy shit. So from eighteen oh four to eighteen sixty four. As just um, a side note, if that interests you the way it interests me, um, the I listeners know. and Carla, uh, yeah. <laughs> go on to YouTube and uh, type in abandoned mansions and you will be mm. surprised what comes up. 
So next time also a- you get mad at paying uh, $3,000 a month for your one-bedroom apartment in downtown Toronto, oh, boy, mm-hmm. is it going to fire up your asshole when you find out that there's just abandoned mansions sitting everywhere. Yeah. There's also a TV show, I think, that you can – I bought an episode on Google Play of a guy that goes around to abandoned malls oh. in America. So there's a whole there's a whole weird thing. I don't know what we should we should do an episode on why we are obsessed with abandoned things. Well, you know what? It's just like I feel like when there's like a homeless problem and people like uh, like shelter is an issue and there's an entire mm-hmm. like abandoned mall, it just sort yeah. of it sort of gnaws at me a little bit thinking like I always think that when I drive by like religious establishments, I'm always just like, you know, you could house the homeless here <laughs> instead of <laughs> You can have 30 yeah. rows of empty seats every week. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. like, anyways, yes. that's my own little problem. But <laughs> um, so speaking of uh, religious things, um, he they actually built a well, I guess not religious, but they built a, a mausoleum on this property instead. And uh, and yeah, let the let the old mansion go to waste. It, it looked like a bit of a hollow skull, apparently. Ooh. And it was rumored to be haunted. Uh, with moans and weird sounds coming from the building, uh, they actually think it was probably homeless people living in the property and oh, making those noises, so that like people would be like scared and not come by. So, <laughs> you know, using what you've got. Uh, once McGill University opened, <laughs> this is these were the bad boys, the snowshoeing club. <laughs> uh, they would get drunk, they would trek up the mountain, and they would. So this was like right next to it, Mount. Mont- Mont Roy- Mont Royal is the mountain. Um, I actually had to message uh, our guest from last week, Kyron, because she went to McGill, and I said, "How do I pronounce those? Because I want to say Mount Royal, <laughs> but <laughs> she made the point that it's no, it's Mont Royal, basically like Montreal." I one time got uh, to Vegas and told these guys who were traveling to Montreal that no yeah. one in Canada would know what Montreal was. You had to say Montreal. <laughs> and they were like we don't know how to say that and i was like you no one's gonna know where you're going <laughs> yeah <laughs> good that's good Fun. probably learned a little accent sure. um but yeah so they would they would trek up the mountain and they would stop at the mausoleum and his tomb and yell uh to try to rise his spirit so because <laughs> that's what we you know people did a couple of rebel and probably still do let's be honest um <laughs> I only found one source of this, so I'm not sure if it actually happened, but in the 1820s, apparently, they broke into the mausoleum and they tipped over his coffin and spilled his remains on the floor. <gasps> yes, so this stirred up the ghost more and they could see da- him dancing on the roof of his castle. And, because you're like, what does this have to do with tobogganing? <laughs> uh, Apparently, he could be seen tobogganing in his own coffin going down the hill. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Now, what is this? So, they wanted to turn this into a park, and they I think they did, and it's, uh, it was the same guy that did Central Park in New York, and I think it's a bigger park. I watched a couple videos. It looks very, it's got a lot of trees. It's very pretty. I wouldn't call it like a mountain. It's definitely a hill. Um... But they were trying to convince the citizens that there's no such thing as ghosts. And people are saying, well, no, but there's a guy tobogganing down the hill in coffins. Like, <laughs> well, this is not okay. Uh, and so they coincidentally, not coincidentally, whatever, actually, this is the reason. 
at the top of the hill they had uh, two cemeteries one catholic and one protestant yeah um in 1830 mcgill medical faculty they started doing dissections as part of its anatomical instruction basically they needed dead bodies so that they could study for the medical school (laughs) so this is i mean you hear about this all the time in things like in edinburgh the grave robbing this is where burke and Hare yes are like kind of that fun the resurrectionist men this happened quite a bit I was and, just listening to a fantastic podcast about uh, Burke and Hare. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and students could get paid 30 to 50 bucks per body, which was about 700 to $1,000 USD, uh, US dollars in today's money. So that would basically like help pay off their tuition if they could just get a couple of dead bodies. If they could just body grave snatch. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, you know, they would maybe go to uh, the poor people's um graves maybe people that wouldn't be missed but also because and i never thought of this it's best done to do this in the winter time because the ground's too cold to actually bury any bodies so they would be left in dead houses above ground which made for a super easy target because you don't have to dig anybody up um and it would then because where they were going you go from the top of the hill to the bottom of the hill to mcgill university and so, how <laughs> they were easy way to get bodies down there? They were tobogganing them down the hill. <laughs> this is an amazing. I did not think this was going to be where it ended up. <laughs> no. Um, and so, this is maybe where they got this whole idea that, you know, McTavish was riding his coffin down the hill. Nope. There was just <laughs> faculty students, medical students, snatching bodies. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's still kind of rumored that, you know, this is still a haunted place. They demolished the castle in 1861, and while they were doing it, a worker fell three stories to his death. Uh, Maybe just because safety wasn't that big of a deal back down (laughs) back in that time. (laughs) Gotta wear your harness. Yeah. And so they buried his mausoleum, um, as well as taking out this castle remains. And so they basically kind of erased his legacy. There's been a couple attempts lately to, you know, kind of resurrect him. <laughs> if you will. Um, because he was such a huge part of this time back then. But yeah, so tobogganing ghosts. Dude, that's amazing. And I, it couldn't <laughs> be more like, I mean, I, th- this is just like a selfish remark because I hope the listeners are as excited by that as I am. But I am truly mm-hmm. listening to uh, right now uh, a podcast called uh, Tenfold More Wicked. Mm-hmm. And it is about the body snatching of that era in the uh, in Britain. So that's like it, it kind of must have been happening everywhere at that time because they needed yeah. cadavers and you couldn't really donate your body to science at that point because it was like there was a lot of like religious restraint or you know religious exactly and, and like i i guess in montreal they had and i'm guessing this is edinburgh as well and all the other places um they didn't have enough bodies to donate like they you just considering how many you would probably need for study yeah they were using like it was a lot of people that were um prisoners that were executed so there you know it wasn't just you know bob's grandma over there donating her body to be studied because this is still very early times but i guess the problem so in this situation is that actually a lot of their um textbooks 
like all the documentation they'd be learning from would be based on having a body. So you can't teach anybody because you're right. Your resources are using something that you don't have access to. Yeah. They were like, they would, uh, I know they were like before they were able to do that and stuff like that. It was, it was truly all based on, um, just textbook study. So you couldn't really, Mm -hmm. there was like, there was just like not enough teaching tools. So yeah. That's, yeah. And how Canadian is that to just fire some, <laughs> just to rip some bodies down the hill? Wait till yeah. she's all iced over, boys, and then just rip them down the hill. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty that'd be, a, that'd be, yeah. I'd wonder if they, they put them head first or backwards, probably backwards the other way. Yeah. They, the safety is still, uh, is still a factor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. You don't want a broken body of, uh, a dead person where they were like, well, we put it in a toboggan and guess what? Toboggan's a little bit dangerous <laughs> even for the dead. Yeah. It's I good story, Carla. That one, I did not, yeah. I, I love not knowing what you're going to tell me. And <laughs> you're like, why are you telling me about architecture in Montreal? No, I just go with it now <laughs> because at first I would ask those questions. I'd be like, what does this have to do with toboggling? And then I'd yeah. be like, fear not that it will end up with toboggling <laughs> and toboggling fake ghosts that were really bodies. Yeah. When it yeah. ended up still bodies, I'm really impressed with you, Carla. <laughs> That's good. I think if I was like, and it was just ghosts the whole time. Yeah, I'd be like, be. all right. I'm still like so into ghosts that I'd be down with the story, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's also January or February. We can't be can't be talking about ghosts in in February. We have to wait till October. That's my rule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no ghost stories until October. <laughs> until yeah. spooky yeah. month. <laughs> I love it. Well, you got a, a little bit more modern story. Yeah. You want, uh, you want me to zoom us into the future here? Yeah, toboggan us, sled sled us into the future. Sled my lifeless body into the (laughs) the modern time. Yeah. (laughs) I, well, we, uh, I I did, because we talked about sort of the danger of tobogganing, I thought it appropriate to see how dangerous it is. And uh, Mm. with tobogganers on the rise, like I said, because of COVID, according to Alberta Health Services, hospitals in the Edmonton and Calgary zones have seen a huge jump jump in tobogganing injuries from December (laughs) from December 11th 2020 to January 7th 2021 there were 380 tobogganing and sluttery sluttering there were 380 (laughs) tobogganing and sledding injury visits to emergency departments and urgent care 139 in Edmonton and 241 in Calgary um That number was 264 for the same period in 2019 to 2020. So it's it's typically dangerous anyways. Like 264 right. people is still a lot of people. Uh, yeah. But it's jumped up to 380 this year in the same uh, year period. So people are like just fucking breaking arms and snapping legs. And it's just- Well, you were talking about it. Too- Sorry to interrupt you. Um, before, like I guess right now, especially like we just want to feel something. So yeah. <laughs> You know, to maybe have that adrenaline and then maybe have a broken arm. I don't know. At least we, it's better than just watching Netflix. <laughs> Even children are just like, uh, the only thing I can feel is pain. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's, it's, um, it's not just, uh, it's not just kids. It's, it's a lot of adults as well. Cause, right. ki- cause adults are like, fuck it. I, let yeah. me feel that cold, cold wind on my face. Um, <laughs> So there was, uh, yeah, 
there there is a huge jump and uh the i do find on a, one of the doctors says i do find on almost every shift that i work in the emergency department i see two or three children who have been tobogganing and had an injury so that's just an alberta physician that works in the er and they're like oh yeah i see a lot of kids but they say uh another doctor tweeted um it's actually the adults that really get themselves into trouble because they're often doing crazier things like going to the ski hill after hours and doing stupid stuff in the dark after a few drinks (laughs) oh no (laughs) yeah so it's the it's the kids that are having like sort of you know, the majority of children are like breaking yeah. arms, but it's like, it's the adults that are, their spines are broken. And yeah. Aside from, I it, mean, if you get drunk enough, I guess that's better for you when you're landing. Cause you become kind of more rubbery. They always say they do, um, but uh, it's also probably the point when you're like, you know what? I'm going to jump that little mogul-y thing. That's for skiing. There is in something in your plastic. body that just wants you to stand up on that sled. I don't know oh, what it yes. is, but you yes. want to use it like a snowboard, even though you know the result isn't going to be good. But your brain's like, stand up, dude. It's more control. Yeah, and then you're done. Yeah. You're done. So, yeah, that's so. our that's our uh, uh, new to in the news. <laughs> Pretty oh. cool. Yeah. Very good. Very good. I mean, not great, but... Um... I guess people are feeling something, so that's good. And you know what? Maybe the doctors are tired of looking at COVID patients and they're excited to see a broken arm, maybe. Yeah. Honestly, probably. They're like, you know, I was watching this as like, I'm not in the real world, but they were doing Grey's Anatomy. Like when they're, they still were like, it was just getting into COVID like in the last right. season here. And a lot of the doctors were like, please give me a surgery and not right. another <laughs> fucking person dying on a ventilator. Yeah. 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 So it's a, yeah, it's a thing, Carla. It's a real thing. Now, if you are going to go tobogganing, mm-hmm. maybe after, what mm-hmm. should you drink, Brittany? Girl, I got the perfect drink for you this week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the hot toddy. You guys know the Ooh. hot toddy? Yeah. You I know the hot pretty, toddy. I think it's it's a very oldie, oldie drink, right? It's a it's a very classic recipe. Um, it's, That's a better word, classic. <laughs> it's also very. Uh, it's actually really simple. It's like mm. not. It's not that complex to make, and it has like a. You know, it's one of those drinks where they like started being like, "There's so many medical benefits to this," and they're like, "No, there's right. not." <laughs> Just boom. yeah, you are supposed to. They recommend it for when you're you know sick or you have a sore throat. Yeah, it's but it's so in the hot toddy for your for your regular old uh, old fashioned hot toddy, three yeah. cups water, one and a half ounces whiskey, two to three tablespoons honey to taste, two to three tablespoons lemon juice to taste, and one lemon round and one cinnamon stick. So what you want to do is uh, you're basically just warming up the water. Like, just like, you know, throw a cup of water in the microwave or in a a teapot, Mm -hmm. warm it up, uh, bring the water to a simmer, pour the water into a mug, add the whiskey, two teaspoons of honey, two teaspoons of lemon juice, stir until the honey has disappeared into the hot water, uh, taste, and then add one teaspoon of honey for more sweetness if you want, and another uh, teaspoon of lemon juice if you desire more zing. And then uh, garnish with a lemon round and a cinnamon stick. So that's um, 
that's kind of the uh that's just like a simple hot toddy but there's actually mm-hmm. quite a bit of history mm-hmm. behind the old hot toddy carlita oh. care to care to care to dive in <laughs> i was like <laughs> i, I like ran up my brain stopped i was like okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. give us give us the good old uh no i can't think of a pun either just yeah, yeah give us yeah, the yeah. we're not good at that <laughs> really ram that todd into our brains um <laughs> the toddy as we know it started in british controlled india in what year do you think oh let's go 1800 1610 no yes it's incredibly old uh the hindi word taddy meant beverage made from fermented palm sap but by 19 or by 1786 taddy was officially written down and defined as beverage made from alcohol liquor with hot water sugar and spices so it was it uh evolved into another word but it was essentially um they were making it from palm sap from the trees um, right. And then it um, just sort of became, you know, any alcohol with hot water, sugar and spices. Uh, the right. British, uh, with their persistent habit of appropriating from other cultures, <laughs> took yeah. the beverage and claimed it as their own um, in the cold winters, uh, the you know, in the damp North England and yep. Scotland pubs would pour hot water into Scotch whiskey. The United Kingdom trade routes with India made exotic spice uh, routine and pubs started throwing more of that into the water and the whiskey and into their drinks. So where it came from um, India, they kind of took it home and made it their own. And right. uh, like, I love that the, uh, the Indians were just like pouring, like making, like taking it from the trees and like yeah. warming water over the fire. And then the Brits just were like pouring hot water into whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how we got gin and tonics. That's how we've got probably, you know, ninety percent of our cocktail recipes. Yeah, Just Britain stealing them and throwing out <laughs> throwing booze in there. So there, <laughs> there's that story. And then obviously the origin is always going to be uh, disputed. Um, the other mm-hmm. origin story is um an Irish doctor named Robert Bentley Todd, who ordered his patients to drink hot brandy, cinnamon, and sugar water um, to because he was like, it's a kind of a cure-all for colds. It brings your fever down. It's a pain, sub, you know, it's a, a painkiller and all this stuff. Right. Um, and they say like, you know what, the truth is probably a combination of both the stories, you know. It, right. probably, it probably did originate from India and then they brought it over and they just sort of changed it and then a doctor in ireland probably was like here drink this you'll feel better <laughs> yeah. yeah um but it's uh the drink made its way across the pond the american colonies um rum from the caribbean and local brandy were the spirits of the day in um, the american time so they used rum instead of scotch um, okay yeah so it's basically a hot toddy can just be kind of anything you want it to be it's just hot water, honey, and lemon with either rum or brandy or scotch or whiskey. Um, yes. It's it, like I know that my even my grandmother used to be like, oh, just rub a little brandy on their gums. Or, you know, like when we were sick, she'd be like, maybe I'll make you a hot toddy. And it was yeah. just like, you'd be like nine and drinking booze. <laughs> Which <laughs> I but didn't. It's pretty, I mean, it, it's pretty burny, especially if you're using whiskey yeah so i don't know as a child if you'd be like whoo you know give me another one grandma you'd be like please don't give me the same 
it's it was literally it was it was like a cure-all if it was like the sniff the sniffles to red eyes or a little like you know like it was anything like it was if you're having a hard time breathing if you're it was just yeah. like yeah. every adult when they called the doctor and the doctor was like if they have a cold and they didn't have cold medicine yet they'd be like mm, have mm. you tried brandy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which i mean yeah it probably is very similar to i think cold medicines have i don't know if they have alcohol in them anymore but i mean that is kind of what they are yeah they're just basically like that's why they make you that's what they say don't drink this and drive yeah because it's like still kind of like throwing you for a loop it's just like now there's mm-hmm. a label on it so we don't yeah. <laughs> for some reason we're like <laughs> and like a dosage limit um, yes for children and for adults. So I figured the hot toddy would go nicely because it is cold and they are nice to come in and have a, a sip of. And also you're like, if you're in the snow all day long, you're going to be wet, which means yeah. you're going to come in, you're cold for too long. You're probably going to have the sniffles the next day. So yeah. Yeah. I say hot toddy, Carla. Ooh, good. Good, yeah. good. Yeah. Do you have any um, interesting facts for us? I do. So tobogganing eventually kind of actually is now a sport as we all know and love the winter olympics which i don't know when we're ever going to get any anymore but yeah um it actually led to bobsled luge and skeleton which we kind of already touched on did it originate Uh, from there that's what they kind of think it all kind of came from i mean really it's it's using a device to go down a hill that's amazing (laughs) <laughs> so yeah it's given us three at least three uh, olympic events um speaking of the olympics bobsledding has actually been in every single winter olympics since it started in 1924 wow that's not the first olympics that's the first winter olympics okay uh, except in 1960 when they were in squaw valley california and they didn't have enough competitors so they didn't get to do it in the 1960s really yeah like, just, so, like, wasn't enough teams to do it yeah i guess so um bobsledding and skeleton can cause sled head which are traumatic brain injuries and i think it's pretty common sadly and kind of a problem yeah. to understate it <laughs> uh, and, and one of the reasons is we kind of mentioned with skeleton so luge you are laying down but you have your head at the back right so you're laying on your back with your feet first bobsled you're in it's usually two to four people and you're kind of in its own little thing right but there's that sort of hole at the very top of the bobsled where you know if you flip on your head it's probably not you are wearing a helmet but you're going awfully fast and the track is awfully like like one right. wrong mistake, like you've seen the, a lot of the sledders too. Like, um, there was a bobsled team that died, and then there was a there was also like a the Jord the Jordanian um mm-hmm. skeleton I think that was skeleton yeah yeah died in the Vancouver Olympics yeah and I mean so with skeleton where you're going um face first and you're laying on your stomach so elite riders can reach up to five G. not not the mobile speed (laughs) like you know um and speeds over 130 kilometers per hour so i mean like that the the pressure that that must have on your body as well oh my god the fact that you're just like being flung down with like at least bobsledding you're in a container 
skeleton yeah. you're just nothing so that's one thing i probably don't need to ever try in my life i don't uh, I need to do it i think i would there you know like at um uh canada olympic park which is here in mm-hmm. calgary they do have a, a thing where you can ride the bobsled so yeah or they basically take you on like a pretty like safe um monitored ride which i yeah. would do that i would totally do that but you ask me even luge i'm not i'm not super keen on yet i don't think i would i i remember today when we didn't want to go tobogganing i don't know why we'd crank that up to a thousand like let's go on a ski hill and then go down a tube and see if that's safer um i mean the tube makes it feel safer but it's probably not uh the longest toboggan run currently is in grindenwald sweden and it's a 15 kilometer long uh route which takes about an hour to complete which whoa that's too much that's like, like you're I, at one point your brain's like i'm you're just gonna get bored like that's how stupid our brains are is that after a while you're like oh this is so exciting and then you're like okay we're still going <laughs> oh, i'll just scroll through my phone now but to yeah. get there it takes a 25-minute gondola and then a two-hour hike to reach the start. So None of this seems worth it. <laughs> None of yeah. it. It's like the uh, reward is even overwhelming. I know. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Plus, Grindelwald is like a word from Harry Potter. So I just was excited to say that. <laughs> I but was yeah, like, I almost thought when I read it, I was like, oh, this is going to be a Harry Potter fact. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I tried to figure it out, but I don't know if they have magic toboggans. They probably do, but I don't remember any. Um, but yeah, those are my interesting facts. Great interesting facts, my friend. Well, Thank that's you. pretty exciting. I felt like this is this was another one of those surprise episodes where like everything yeah. I came across, I was like, oh, I didn't really know that, and I was excited yeah. by. So um we hope you had as much fun as we do. And mm. we do this every week, every Thursday. Uh, and yeah, we have a Patreon you can hit up, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're just slinging <laughs> Patreons here. Uh, yeah. You can uh, visit our website, which is www.lifepairingspodcast.com. And in the top right corner, you can click on our Patreon, and that will take you to a bunch of bonus episodes, extra features, some behind the scenes content, and um, sort of the more uh, patronage we get, the more features we produce, and uh, the more fun it is. So uh, that just mm-hmm. helps us, uh, you know support the podcast keep this podcast going yeah keep this podcast rolling <laughs> uh, and uh we've got some exciting news so uh stay tuned uh we're uh we're excited that you're listening and we'll we'll see you next week thanks guys thanks guys